Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey there, Cybersex Monday shoppers and Big Black Friday cock worshippers. This is Billy Proceed, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, if you are new to the program, this is a podcast where I usually talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, gender, love. Uh, however, this week's guest is not one of my former hookups. No, uh, I have on a special guest, comedian Harrison Greenbaum. Also, we're going to feature a taste from a full-length bonus episode with comedian Hannah Abney, where we talk for an entire hour about masturbating. So, uh, but what's going on with me? Uh, you know, belated happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope hope your Thanksgivings with uh, families and friends were were fairly painless. Uh, hopefully, lacking too much Trump talk. Unless you're Todd B, then it was probably just like a circle jerk celebration. Be like, yeah, women won't be able to control their bodies soon. So excited. But for the rest of my listeners, uh, I, I hope you were able to avoid politics and be distracted by uh, grown rapists giving each other concussions. And I'll try to keep this brief, but you know, look, I am very thankful to all of you, the listeners, by the way. I just, I gotta say, y'all make doing this show worthwhile. Uh, you know, whether you've been downloading the podcast for only a couple weeks or you've been here since the beginning for over, you know, for over two years, I am so happy that you're around and then I ha- that I have you as an audience to vent to, uh, that I have y'all as an outlet week in and week out. I think that's amazing. Uh, it's really cool that all sorts of different types of people, and I've seen pictures of of a lot of you, y'all look very different, but a whole fucking different mess of people come together around a common slutty cause. That cause being uh, a unique interest in the happenings of my penis. And I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> so I'm glad you're around. Um, This also happened... Uh, you know, last week I was on a podcast called Multi Amory. If you are, if you're one of those like Polly Pockets, or even if you're, or even if you're just like interested or curious in the ethically non-monogamous lifestyle, you should really check out my episode and and that podcast overall. It's a good show. It's hosted by three gorgeous people: uh, Jace, Dedeker, and Emily. They used to be a triad together, and they're all really hot and they have great hair. So I felt. And I had to be on webcam, like Skype with them the whole time. So I felt very self-conscious. But I had a really good time. We discussed like group sex and um, what masculinity in a Trump America will look like. So really good time. Talked about Paige, of course. It was a good, definitely go check that out. It's multi-amory, M-U-L-T-I amory. Uh, I know that's going to upset the linguists, but you know what? I feel like we've already abandoned proper word creation when they came up with polyamory, I know we're mixing Latin and Greek roots, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh, this also in, you know, I got this email from, I don't know how many of y'all remember Polly Whitaker, aka Polly Superstar. I had her on the, the podcast about two years ago. She is the founder of an international sex party called Kinky Salon. It's in, I don't know, I think like a dozen cities around the world. And she sent me this email and it has to do with men and pleasure and masculinity and sexuality. And uh, she's trying to promote a thing that a friend of hers is making. And I thought it was worth sharing with all of you lovely people. So 
Uh, Polly writes, Hey, Billy, I hope you're doing fabulously. Imagine all of this just like in a British accent. I'm working on a new project. I'm actually super excited about it. Uh, a, because it's a really important conversation. And B, because the timing for it is so perfect. So there's this whole thing with Trump rape culture, toxic masculinity, blah, 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 blah. And I've been thinking, where's the sexual revolution for men? I didn't know we needed a revolution, but okay. Uh, There's this idea that men just get their needs taken care of so their sexuality doesn't need an overhaul as women's have had since the 60s. But men are hooked on porn and Viagra. I mean, could they be more fucked up? Where are their good role models and their healthy sex lives? Uh, raise his hand over here. Hey guys, uh, moderately decent role model with a, a somewhat healthy sex life. Hi. Um, their self-awareness and their self-love, where is it? Women have been given so much cultural permission to explore their sexuality, but men are still stuck in the dark ages. I think that blaming toxic masculinity on men is as ridiculous as blaming sexual objectification on women. You're one of the men talking about sex openly, and in a way I think addresses this conversation, so that's why I wanted to reach out. There's, so there's this guy who created www.betterthanthehand.com. It's men talking intelligently about how self-pleasure can connect them to their bodies, making them less ashamed of their sexuality, make them better lovers, and make them happier. It's so simple. Could destigmatizing male masturbation be a key to unlocking the future of sex culture? You might know him already from his work on Cotango.com and his movie, Marriage 2.0. His name's Andrew Sullivan. Anyway, he's asked me to help him get the word out about what he's doing, and so I'm reaching out to see if you might be interested in uh, discussing this on your podcast. And here's why I think this is an interesting story. This election season has been nuts. This is also, by the way, written like just before the election. I know I'm reading this email kind of late. Uh, The conversation about toxic masculinity and rape culture have never been so in the spotlight. But the conversation focuses on blame instead of looking at the bigger picture. Trump is a direct product of our culture. He is a mirror. When we look in that mirror and don't like what we see, we just say, Trump is an asshole, men are pigs, and demonize male sexuality. But if we are all responsible as a culture to change this attitude so perfectly embodied by Trump, then what can we do? I would argue that encouraging men to connect to their sexuality, sensuality, and self-pleasure instead of seeing sex as something external, something to be conquered or taken by force. I think this might shift that cultural dynamic. I'm not saying I found the magic bullet here, but I'm pretty excited about this conversation, as you can probably tell, because this has turned into a bit of a rant. Uh, Not only has it been a bit of a rant, I even even edited out several parts of the email. (laughs) Um, So... Bali superstar, super passionate about this project. I know it sounds a little maybe hippie woo-woo a bit, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a little crystal-y, but you know, go check it out. It's an interesting idea. There's some interesting stuff on the site. It's betterthanthehand.com. And if you don't know which then it is, uh, well, then we've got a bigger grammar problem, but T-H-A-N, thehand.com. I actually used to do I've never done that with a guy I feel like I might be a little nervous seeing a guy jerk off really in person yeah I don't know it's just you've never watched a guy jerk off not in person wow. I just don't feel like that's it's not attractive to me to see okay. you jerk off I don't I don't I don't dig it mm. what's attractive to me is like me getting you off mm. um, but I used to 
masturbate with my f- girlfriends in uh, high school. Really? Like, Do you uh, tell? Yeah. Well, like, so um, we would, uh, we, we would just, yeah, like we would, I mean, my sister had this weird thing. We had all these like weird little ways we would masturbate, but we didn't realize we were actually masturbating or uh-huh. that was what to call it. Like we did butt thrust, we called it. Like we would like lay down on the bed on our stomach. We were like 14 and we would like just like thrust each other's booty and it was like dry humping, but you would not. push the butts? Yeah. So we're like literally rubbing each other's like my cat actually, when she was like in heat before I got her uh, spayed, she was like literally popping her pussy in my face, like fucking put it in and I felt <laughs> bad. And so I You're literally. like, I'm not going to lick your pussy, yeah, pussy. Yeah, but I literally pu- started trying to like butt thrust her, like push down on her like lower back to like rub up and down to like help her out because mm. they felt bad but now i think about it, i'm like i don't think she has a clitoris so that might not have helped but that's what we were doing for each other like <laughs> masturbating each other oh, wow. at our slumber parties and then what we would do is um we would it was like right when they were getting rid of like vhs and dvd and going to blu-ray so like everything was on sale and so we would look up movies is with ewan mcgregor because he's notorious <laughs> for being naked and we had a crush on him we would look up movies with him in it that he was naked in for sale, like really cheap, like Young Adam, all these like really random movies that nobody's ever really seen. And we would buy them and we would literally just like me and my best friend. I remember like I had got her a vibrator for her birthday. We're 16. Oh, like, she what a had, nice like, right? I actually helped her put her first vibrator in. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. So like we both had the rabbit and Wait. I. I, Wait, what kind of what kind of friendship is this? No, we were like just yeah, friends. Yeah, like I, I, I think I sucked her tits. Like we would play with each other's tits, but it was never anything romantic. It was more just experimental. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, but um, it we uh. <laughs> So we were like, it was like a slumber party. I'm like, mas- we're both masturbating with our vibrators. The remote's between us. And we've like got young Adam in with Ewan McGregor. And we like go to like the point where he's naked. And it's like just a flaccid penis, right? But we- I didn't realize that we didn't realize really that we could get porn for free at this point. Okay. On the internet. So we're like trying to find it. And so, um, so literally like <laughs> we, um, we would take turns rewinding for like that 30 seconds where you could see his dick and we're just masturbating the whole time, like taking turns on who's got to rewind this video. And that was never like weird for you two no. as friends? No, I actually like... It was only like one friend or like a group of friends y'all would do this? Um, It was like... It was like the one friend and the gay friend. Okay. But uh, we would like... Yeah, like I, I gifted her my, um, my vibrator when I moved away. I like... Gave her my vibrator. I gave my gay friend like vibrating nipple clamps and like this butt plug and all this shit. Because okay. I was like seeing someone when I moved to New York and I was like, I don't need toys. Huh. And now I'm here and I don't have money to buy toys. And uh. I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> so. Wait, tell me about you helped her put a vibrator inside her. Yeah, her first one. So could she not figure it out? Well, no, it was like it was hard to get in because it was tight. Like we were both virgins, but we started with dildos. And I remember we were like trying it as like, you know, having a Because you know night. this sounds like the premise of a porno. It's like, right? oh my God, you can't get your vibrator in. Please, other hot friend, let me help you. <laughs> she was really bum, hot. Bum, no, bum, I, uh, <laughs> she was Nika Rowling, huge tits. Uh, no, I was helping her get it in. And then, you know, it wasn't working. So I remember we just gave up. And I think we just decided we were watching Pocahontas. And then, like, we, I think we just kept trying. And then it's, like, right when it's, like, just around the w- river bend, like the waterfall or something. Like, that's when it just, like, slid right in. And we're like, oh, great. Now, that, that, is, that is quite the story. 
And if you want to hear more from Hannah Abney in my bonus episode, again, go to patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. You can receive that episode at the $10 and up level. Uh, and do go check out her uh, YouTube web series, Hansy with Hannah, and you can find all of her information at hannahabney.com, Hannah, A-B-N-E-Y.com. You'll see links in the show notes. And now for our scheduled guest this week, Harrison Greenbaum, very funny comedian. Uh, any of y'all who are fans of the Guys We Fucked podcast, well, you might distinctly recognize his voice from there. Uh, Harrison's a very funny comedian. I've known him since I was in college. And he was a professional comic who I'd see around. And uh, I just thought we'd have a chit-chat. I heard him on another podcast. He's quite the feminist. And he was kind of sticking it to the two hosts who were kind of either pro-Trump or very like apathetic to the reality that is uh, coming upon us. And I, you know, I was like, oh, dude, you did a great job. And then it's like, we should talk. And, and then here we are. Uh, and we had a really fun time. We talked about sex parties. Uh, we compared and contrasted our uh, experiences with that. We discussed male body image, Tinder, the Shrek films, uh, feminism. Very fun conversation. Uh, I think you're all really going to like it. Sorry for the long intro, but not sorry at all. Uh, let's have a listen to me and comedian Harrison Greenbaum. Yes, absolutely. I don't have to coach you. Oh, yeah. Because, well, normally... No, it's funny. We do my podcast from here. So, literally, I have two friends. We have... Uh, he has the six, so we plug in uh-huh. three mics. But it's literally, basically... You don't this have to brag that you live in Midtown. You have an, an H6. I don't have an H5. I, I have the Bush H4. Work. No, no. He no. has the H6 in Astoria. <laughs> yeah. I need to get the H6, though. But, yeah, we do. Like, that's that's been our setup is literally this table, and we get a bunch of chairs, and then we usually play board games afterwards because we're nerds. Oh, what, what games you play? Smash Up is, like, our big... That's like our big I don't thing. know. I don't know. Smash up. Oh, I mean, you're more than welcome to mention my apartment on the podcast. Or the guy lives in this oh, very swank nerdy, one bedroom. Nerdy and he has an entire thing in nerdy board. So, oh, do you know Andy O'Feish, right? I do, yeah. Okay, have you ever been to his place? In... Oh, are we recording right now? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're on. Started. Okay. <laughs> we already started. Oh, yes. boy. Yes, Scott. Wow. Wow. All right. Um, no. <laughs> Andy O'Feish has an entire closet filled with like the originals, like, like first release of all the like, like life and clue <laughs> yeah because he's that old uh, but he has like like an original sellers of Catan. he's got whoa it's, uh, first edition those are actually like probably very valuable yeah dude lives a nice little little cozy home in cambridge wow so, yeah. i love andy yeah he's a great guy he's the first one the i think he's the first person to consistently put me on stage without needing to bring people uh but i had to get naked right the naked well, I, I i started comedy in boston when i was an undergrad yeah. in, in at harvard and I met Andy. We were good buddies. And he's like, oh, I do this naked comedy show. I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. And I was like, you know what? It's in Cambridge. It's not even in Cambridge. It's like outside of Cambridge. I think mm-hmm. it's in Somerville. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I do the show and I'm putting my clothes back on. And he hands me $20 and he goes, that's for your set. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is my first paid comedy set. Yes. And so there's yes. like this little element of like, I feel a little bit like a whore. Like I'm putting my clothes back on. It's like, here's a 20. And I'm like, oh no. But that was my first paid set was the Naked Comedy Show in Boston. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I hope I was, I didn't get paid for that show until like a few years ago. I Whoa. did I did it like 10 times before I got paid. I did it in, in Boston. <laughs> in and Boston, I did it when pays. it was at the original pit. Right. Me too. But the original pit. And I did pit, improv I one paid. time. There was this girl I had like a crush on and she's like, I'll do naked improv with naked you. And improv? I was like, how do you say no to that? Now, did you make it? 
sexual or did you try to i tried to avoid everything i could to make it not sexual (laughs) like she would start to like touch me on the shoulder and i'd be like hey what are you doing mom like (laughs) anything i could to make it not weird she kept trying to like i I was also like there's gonna be no touching in this improv thing because we're both naked and this is weird so i was like that's not so I, I kept trying to basically put like a sort of distance and I was doing it through scene work <laughs> and she kept trying to like get in there. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Just <laughs> let's make this very innocent acquaintance improv. I'm a big fan of the naked show. Uh, I think that was when I first started to get, I hadn't done group sex bef- by then, but that's where I think I first got comfortable being naked. Oh, so you're like, I'm going to be naked. Like, other people are going to see me. Yeah. And, I th- and you did it at the Creek. No, the fir- I first started doing it at the old pit. Oh, so you did, you've done, you're part of the original crew. Yeah, I've done it, I think, like 13, 14 times now. Oh, that's amazing. All yeah, right. I started doing it in college when I was like 20. Yeah. And I couldn't get up anywhere until I took my clothes off. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the thing. That was one of the longest sets I'd ever gotten mm-hmm. at that time, and I was paid for it. And this was like, oh, all I did in my mind was like, all, all I, have I have to, to do, do is take off my clothes and I get 20 minutes of stage time. All I have to do for this I'm car totally is suck in. a dick. All I have to do yeah. has made people do so many interesting things. Yeah. There was actually, uh, uh, I'm not going to blow up his spot, but there was a, a comedy writer who I'm a gigantic fan of. He's done a lot of stuff for TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had seen me perform a couple of times. And uh, I got in touch with him and I was like, oh, I've seen you at my shows. And he's like, I'm a fan of your work. And I was like, this is nuts because I, I had just been in it for a little while. Yeah. It's the first time I ever got a letter that positive and it's from this guy that I like greatly respect. And uh, and then I go out on stage at the pits at the Naked Show and he's like in the like second row. And so we had planned to have coffee. So it changes the tenor of coffee a little <laughs> bit when they've seen you like... And he was with his wife. This wasn't like a sexual thing yeah. at all. But like, it was just funny to be like, so I know a lot about you. Not only do I know about you. I know how. But I know everything about you. I know your measurements. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, my second time doing the Naked Show, I invited the chick who took my virginity. Oh, my God. Because she happened to, she went, I was at NYU. Well, so she already knew what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. She remembers how uh, odd I look naked. And <laughs> uh, she was at Fordham. So I was like, hey, you should come do see me do comedy. I'm doing this Naked Show. She brought friends. Oh, boy. Didn't realize it was actually a naked oh, show. Oh, she thought it was just like a funny name. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. And I think when she saw Andy, I guess she must have thought, well, maybe the host is naked. Right. And then I, I took the, I was bullet spot. So oh, Jesus. I get off stage. So I'm the first non-Andy person she sees. And I get back off stage. I see on my phone. It's like, I didn't think you'd actually be naked was a text I got. Nice. I was like, oops. Okay. Yeah. The naked show was, fun. I, uh, there's been a, like that, there's always great stories that come right. out of that thing. But there was this one guy who was trying to get erect for a sketch. He like wanted to be erect when he walked out. So like you heard him in the bathroom, like yeah. trying and he couldn't, he was like too much pressure. So he did the sketch without it. But it was like this funny thing of like, like, is he, I have to pee, but is right. he still in the bathroom? What's he doing? Like, Oh, it's a sketch. And I'm like, it's a thing. All right. Or he says it's a thing. We don't know. We've never seen the sketch, but yeah, allegedly. Exactly. So he was unable to uh, do that. And then the other guy was doing like a, uh, he pulled a plastic bag out of his ass. There was this guy, he used to close a lot of them. And he had some gag about like, oh, where do I put this thing? Like he had something else in his hands. Like, where do I put it? And then he pulled a bag out of his ass. I remember doing a magic trick on the naked show. I was like, I want to do, wouldn't it be cool to do a magic trick because there's nowhere for me to hide anything. So I needed to borrow somebody's dollar bill because I was going to do a trick where I turned the dollar into like a hundred. Yeah. Which would be amazing because clearly I don't have a hundred on me. I am naked. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I trying to borrow a dollar and I realized 
nobody wants me to get close enough to borrow the dollar because I'm naked. They don't want you to actually dangle into their face. Right. And I, as soon as I realized, I was like, oh, they're 100% correct. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't thought this through. So fortunately, there was somebody I knew. I think he had done the comedy show before. So he kind of like walked forward and put his hand right. real far out. And I grabbed the bill and did the trick. Huh. But it was like one of those things of, oh, right. I should think this one through. I'm not wearing clothing. Chesley, you remember Chesley Calloway, right? Yeah, of course. He would do push-ups backstage right before he went on. I think a lot of people did that. A I, lot. I think I did that too. But he was like already a fit guy. Like he already no, looked but it, good. You had to do and it. And then he would just like do it even more. Oh, I absolutely did push-ups before it went out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, the most I would do, I would do like slight tugs just so I sure. could. I just want my best hang. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> and I'm more of a grower than a shower. Right. So like, I yeah, definitely a couple of tugs. Absolutely. <laughs> how, how do you feel? Wait, I, if, I forget if I have even said it or not, but I'm here with a uh, very funny comedian. <laughs> Harrison Nobody Greenbaum. knows who I am right now. <laughs> uh, very funny guy. And I uh, wanted want to chit-chat with you. It's, uh, how do you feel about your body? Are you we happy with it? No, never. No? Never. never. <laughs> I constantly, well, I was a very chubby, fat kid growing up. Same. Um, so that always creates body issues, I think, forever. Because you see yourself as that fat kid. Yeah. Um, my sister also was kind of chubby. And n- neither one of us are now. Um but I always am worried about – I went vegan for five months. I think that was like the best shape I was ever in. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly like, oh, I feel fat. And I'm constantly – whoever I'm with at the time, whatever girl. And obviously, if I'm with them, they accept my body. Like that's yeah. part of the deal. Um, but I'm always like, I feel so fat. I feel so fat. And part of it is honestly, I think I say that just because I want them to say, no, you're not. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, that's, I need that reassurance. See, I want them to go, well, I want them to think at least he knows. That's more like I want. <laughs> I just assume they think it too, and I want them to know that I'm on board. Like that's why I'll say it a lot. That you, you, oh, you feel fat. Yeah. So when I'm going like, oh, I feel gross. I'm fat. I've gained weight. I want them like. I had to force my girlfriend to admit I have boobs, uh, oh. or that I've at least gotten them since we started dating. And you're so you're currently in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. I've got one of those girlfriend people. Nice. Uh, it's very nice. Uh, I'm very happy about it. In Congrats. Case she's hearing. <laughs> this is like the new world where like I've known you for. A long you time. Since, you've known me since I was 19 or 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You you come in with that. What was that book? It was like the thickest book ever. And you were... Oh, yes. I remember. Uh, I was assigned... I had to read Lysistrata for a class. And it was in a big Aristophanes collection. Yeah, you would drag that thing into the comedy club. And it was like, yeah. wow, this guy is really working hard. This is amazing. <laughs> you working on a bit? No, just homework. That's... Yeah. <laughs> but in 2016, it's like somebody who like... I, I have to find out about people's information through a podcast like by doing a podcast right well congratulations that's oh, great thank you yeah that's since great then hear. also started going to orgies and all that weird shit well that i know because like a podcast like <laughs> that that comes up yeah um but yeah that's uh that that's like nine months ten months now like february that's great so i'm pretty happy with it yeah that was why i started the show so. did she come with you uh come with me to what to the parties i mean i met her at a sex party oh so, well I mean, that's fantastic that was apparently that's where i needed to go find love was uh, in a basement. I've heard that Brooklyn. multiple times. I know more than you're not the only person I know who has met somebody at a sex party. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. I feel less weird now. Yeah. Uh, because most of those people that I know who meet people like that, they're also super into like the poly world or the kink world. Right. And I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm not poly. I'm not a kinky person. I hope you get married just so you have to explain this to your grandchildren. Oh, yes. Yeah, the best meet cute <laughs> ever. It's wonderful. Or just give a speech at a wedding. Yeah. I knew I saw her with four other dudes and I knew that's the one. Well, I heard her first and she was just singing Christmas carols while getting spanked in a sex swing. She was singing uh, Christmas carols? Her, her friend was doing a, a DS scene with her and was spanking her. And she just decided I'm going to make it. It was the triple Xmas 
theme oh, party. Oh, okay, I got you. It was so, within theme. So she was making her sing Christmas carols, and I was fucking my friend in the other room, but we could hear them because it was so loud. Are you Jewish? No. Nah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because if, if that was me, like if I was you, <laughs> and then I'm trying to explain this to my parents, they'd be less upset about the sex party part be, and more upset that she's not Jewish and singing Christmas carols by right. default. Although, what that a, would be the problem a, that they have with that story. What a creative, uh, like, Dom sub scene is like making the Jews sing Christmas carols as punishment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, are you like kinky? And it'll all? be punishment probably to everybody else to listen to me butcher those to songs. Butcher those songs, right? <laughs> are you kinky at all uh, in your private life? I think so. I don't know. It it changes. Like it depends on who I'm with. Like if that person's not that kinky, I feel like it. it I I I uh, acclimate to their level. You yeah, you're a pleaser, and you want to just you'll do whatever's needed. Yeah, for the person. Yeah, I've definitely yeah. explored for sure, though. Absolutely. Yeah, my my girlfriend's super subby, and I'm I'm not dominant person at all, but I can do it like for her with her. I break character. That's my problem. Is when I'm trying to be dominant. Yeah, I I like I'm always like I care about people. Right. So I'll be like, yeah, you fucking take it, you take it, you bitch. Are you okay? Everything good? <laughs> you take it. Like I, you can't do that. You Me can't too. break character in the middle. I, uh, the two nights ago, I you know I was I was at a party and I was with someone and I was going really hard and she's going it hurts it hurts I'm like oh I'm stop she's like no keep going it it hurts in the good way I'm like oh I don't fucking know. Right. No, but your job, yeah. like, especially, you know, consent is super important and all yeah. that stuff. If, if somebody seems like they're in pain, like, unless you're doing a situation where there's a safe word. So, like, yeah. if she's not saying the safe word, then you can continue. But, right. like, in that kind of situation, it, it, it's a nice thing to do is make sure she's okay if she's saying ow. Yeah, but for That's some important. people, the sweetness is a turnoff. Right, I know. And I'm just like, what? That's the problem. Yeah. Like, And then, so, you know, maybe nice guys do finish last if... Not only do y'all uh, fuck the assholes, but then you tell us uh, you don't, you know, you don't want the sweet guy in the bedroom. <laughs> right. It's so rough. Um, and was, yeah, I don't know. It gets weird. It's weird. You've never gone to like a group scenario. I did. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. Wait. With, uh, I mean, I, I I've talked about this before, but I uh, Corinne. Oh, I, you're the one Corinne you Fisher. went. You I went dated, to yeah. with Corinne. I knew you two dated. I didn't know you were yeah. the. She had mentioned she'd been to a party, didn't have the best experience. And like just because the atmosphere. Yeah, we went to two. We went one on Friday, one on Saturday, just to see Where'd if they go? were different. We went to two different swingers clubs. One's was uh, uh, one is next door. Okay, that's how the whole thing came up. Is so like you're my apartment, but like literally next door. Um, that's a school. You're looking Bill, at a school, oh, okay. but um, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right, um, but different no, party. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, oh <laughs> Jesus. Um, but no, you if you walk out my apartment, uh, basically to the left, there's a drag bar. Is that um, lips? Which is lips. Okay. Um, and it's a beautiful, really cool place. But right before that, there's this like unmarked building and the basement is a swingers club. So I had mentioned that to Corinne. I'm like, you know, there's a swingers club, like literally next door to my apartment building. And, uh, she was like, we gotta go. Basically we played a game of chicken. We're both like, we have to go. And so, well, if you go, I'm going, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And then we're like, all right, let's do it this week. All right, let's go. And then we also didn't want to just go to one and not really know if it was bad or good. You want to compare? Well, cause we didn't want to go and be like, oh, this is bad. And then. It was because it was a bad one. Right. So we went to two so that we could at least compare and be like, oh, like this is, this is what the level is. Right. Um, we had no expertise. What, what were the names? If you, if you don't mind saying, or you don't have to. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one was Bowery Bliss and yeah, one was Bowery Checkmate. Bliss. Bowery Bliss, they do a lot of parties at, and I've heard of, I've never heard of Checkmate, but okay. Checkmate is definitely classier. The classier Definitely one. the classier one. That's There's why like, I haven't heard of it. I got yeah. holes in my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like very interesting. You know, um, we only had sex with each other. So it wasn't like we, mm. we participated in like a sort of group sex thing. But it was the first time I had seen other people have sex live. Yeah. That was very interesting. Yeah. What was that like for you? 
It was interesting. I mean, yeah, it was I mean just like, what, what's going through your head when you finally? There was some giggling. I mean, I think my favorite moment, and I think it's probably, I'm not sure if it was Corinne's favorite moment, but I think it probably was, <laughs> was just that um, I had to get something on the other side of the room. And in between what I needed to get and uh, and where I was, was like <laughs> pile of bodies, pile of bodies and <laughs> things happening. So I'm literally doing this. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You can keep doing it. I just, I just got to get, I'm so sorry. Just give me like, okay, I'm coming through. Beep, beep. All right. Thank you. All right. Got it. Then I'm like coming backwards. Like, okay, coming back. Don't worry. Keep going. Don't, no, don't mind me. All the while you have to avoid anything that's swinging possibly to your face. Well, I was standing yeah. and they were like on yeah, the yeah. ground. So that, that at least wasn't a worry, sure. but I was just like, all right, excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Come it was like a weird, it was like the, a, a sitcom that can never air on network television. That's basically. <laughs> what happened i love it well so these were like swinger clubs yeah 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 yeah. which like i feel like from what so it's I, not like a full-on sex party right because i guess yeah. the difference is a sex party is like they're singles and it's just sort of more orgy-ish whereas a swingers club is more like couples and well, swapping from the a little I, bit i haven't gone because i can't afford it um the the club clubs uh but i've gone to more like house parties and they were all they're all the parties i go to have been like private even if they had a ticket they were like in like a house in the private place mm. and you know, Were like single guys allowed? Yeah, I mean, oh, like okay. I, the one that I go to are very like queer friendly, very like fluidy type stuff. Like I'm the weirdo because I'm all of this bag of privilege, you know. Like I'm the weirdo okay. for being there. Um, and they're young. how much the age range? I'd say like twenty to forty five. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's you know like t- mostly people in their late twenties to like early forties, and then there's some old because that second and- one, the one that the the classier one, definitely skewed older. older. And like the weird thing about that is you're watching all these people and you're like, their kids are with a babysitter right now. Like you just picture like they have like their kids are like, all right, mom, mom, and dad are going on a date, quick date. <laughs> or when it's more uncomfortable, it's like, ooh, their kids like I could have gone to school with. No, they weren't not, that old. Well, maybe not. Oh God, no, I mean, they weren't that old. What are you like? Mid thirties now, right? I'm thirty. Yeah, you're thirty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just I, turned thirty. I guess like when it being because be, knowing you for as long as I yeah. have, I've always assumed. All of you are older than you are. Well, I also hung out with an older group. Right. Like as soon as I graduated from college, I was I was twenty one, and I was hanging out with comics who were in their thirties. Yeah. And I think people lumped me into that group. So like, there was a long time where the people like, "How old are you?" and they expect me to say like thirty six, and I'd be like twenty five, and they'd right. be like, "What?" Well, when you're twenty, you just assume everyone's like older than you. So it's like, I guess in my mind, I've tried to eight. Like I don't know how old anyone I start. Like I started around are. Because to me, they were all old people. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, and now I'm, I'm just at the age now where it used to be, you know, when you look at where you are in your career, you could look at other people and go, well, they're 35. I have like 10 years to get there. Yeah. And now there are people who are younger than me. And I'm like, God damn, damn it. <laughs> so it changes the whole scale. You're like, at least they're older than me. I have years to get to there and get whatever. Then you, you get know. to the age and like, fuck. Like, oh, what, no, I still don't have that. What thing. happened with all that time that I had behind me? <laughs> unbelievable yeah <laughs> yeah um but difference between the clubs and the parties i think like mine's very like gender neutral like everyone pays the same price that's great which is and that's why i love the parties that i go to because not just because it's cheaper for me because oh there's no sense of like entitlement right like, um, if a single guy pays 200 dollars or 400 dollars to go to a, a sex club he feels like i i deserve some oh, see, sex i, tonight, I, I you know? don't i i disagree slightly and yeah. i think the reason they're charging more is cuz if they didn't it would be like 95% right dudes. no that's part of it but i think the one of the outcomes of that can be that I there's see, a yeah. sense of entitlement of like well i should have sex tonight i should get to have sex because tonight because i paid all this i paid money. all that's this fair. money like yeah. i should be and able to and that's a very fuck. dangerous thing to do right yeah. um also like my party i don't know 
what the um, like if there what check in was like for you guys. But you know, when I check in at my parties, there's like a consent talk. There's like a hey, you know, this is we're consent heavy. We do enthusiastic consent. Don't touch people without asking. Blah blah blah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's I, you, I think that's I get a bracelet everything. like this that says I consent to touch. Um, that's great. No, I think that's really important. I mean, I think that's the key here is like consent is key. Yeah. Usually, it's female led consent. Um, that the in any experience I have, it's always right. like the girl, the girls lead. So like girls have to ask like it's, you can't have guys asking for stuff. It's girls leading. Yeah. Um, because these are mostly straight parties. So yeah, they're all like pretty like heteronormative. Yeah, they're heteronormative. So it's like, but they want the girls to lead, and I think that's really important too. Right. Because every guy is kind of like, yeah, I'll take seven of you. Like it's uh, like you, yeah, you always get that kind of vibe, and I think letting it be female led consent is. It diminishes that to a degree, which is good. So walking into your first like sex club, what was like your thought? What's like going through your head? Well, it was basically just a dare between Corinne and I. So I was thankfully with somebody who I really like and I still love her. She's one of my best friends. Okay. So like it was just this thing where we kind of looked at each other and giggled. We're like, this is it, it was like tour it was like uh the best way to describe it is like if you go to an African safari and you're seeing all these <laughs> animals you've never seen before. It was like that. We were just like, Oh, this is completely outside of my realm of experience. Right. What, did you have any issues like with performing? Did you feel nervous? Uh, no. I mean, I was with somebody really comfortable, and we didn't really do much group stuff when it came to that. Right. Um, I just mean like even getting – like I the first party I went to, I couldn't fuck. Uh, I was having trouble getting hard in that group environment. I was oh, comfortable. I see. Yeah. I was able to do some stuff, but I wasn't – like I didn't come at my first sex party. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I didn't have any problems like that. Um, but again, it was also because I was with somebody who I really liked. Yeah. We, you know, we were very, you know, I was very comfortable. She made me very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's important. I think that's the key is having somebody that you're like, all right, we're in, and also we're at the exact same level of experience in terms of this. So, it, you know, there's no sort of uh, deficit in terms of like one person is better at this or one person knows more that it was, we're all sort of same, same playing field. I guess like in my mind, when I think of the sex, like clubs, like the, these like for profit places, I just always, I assume like kind of seedy and like gross buffet and i'm probably wrong because i've never been they had a great like, buffet because they, the, they use the great bagel place this is how jew i am it's like <laughs> there was very little sex but a lot a great bagel they got a great spread they got rainbow cookies i was very happy okay yeah they they catered in from one of my favorite bagel places so i as soon as i saw that i was like all right so a delivery guy would be like hey man what's going on i think they had a bad i remember seeing the logo somewhere on the table i was like all right good work they they, they know their bagels <laughs> oh man i never i don't like to eat much at the at a party because i just think of like all these people can be like very health conscious and like washing hands and sanitary when it comes to like putting things in bodies like uh I remember I was hooking up with someone once and I went to go finger her, but she was like, have you washed your hands since the last woman? And that's great. That's smart. Yeah. Smart. I honestly Obligatory. didn't, I honestly didn't know the answer. So I said, Oh shit, I'm not sure. And then I was like, Oh, let's just skip that. And I just like ate her pussy instead. And I just didn't use fingers. <laughs> um, Jesus. But, but did you wash your face since the last one? Right, right. But like, so don't be super sanitary about that. But like, they'll just go into food fucking willy nilly. And like, excuse all of you gross pigs. Right. I don't think you're supposed to eat at those buffets. I don't yeah. think that's, I don't think that's at all a good idea. I try not to trust the food. Except for yeah. uh, on Saturday, they had these little like chocolate fudge balls that like I couldn't resist. So I was like, well, if they oh. did make those, I will, I will eat the chocolate on my way out. I eat all my food. This my gross body is because of this because I eat like a thousand calories between nine p.m. and one a.m. I know all my. Uh, it's a comedian thing. You you also you get off stage and now you're very awake and you're hungry because you've used up all this energy. 
And yeah, so you end up eating, and there's nothing open after yeah. 10 or 11 p.m. Except for like Rite so Aid, like which is pizza hours. Yeah. and snacks. So you end up eating just shit every night. And yeah, of course. Yeah. It's that classic comedy body where it looks skinny up top. And then oh, there's like that, that belly. It's just all right here. It's, it's all, all in belt. the belly. It's all a belt. And I yep. hate, but like you think I, oh, you know, I, I have to try to be, be able to resist just in that small time frame at night and I'd be fine. But at a party, you think, okay, well, I'm not even thinking about food. But no, I ate at least like a thousand calories of these like fudge balls right before I walked out the door. I'm like, I'm done with the night. I'm good. I could go to sleep and the night's great. But I need to sabotage myself by stuffing my, my fucking face. That's why I try very hard Ugh. to avoid having any kind of snacks in my apartment because I'm just going to eat that. Yeah. So sometimes I, I purposely like, and I'll literally go up from my couch to my pantry, from the couch to the pantry, even though I know there's no food, but right. there's that weird like dance that you just do where te- you're like, just maybe, it. maybe I missed there was, maybe I missed a snack. And then you find like a candy bar from, you know, fucking 2002 exactly. in the back corner. And you're like, like I'm going to eat that. We can do this. It's this or we go downstairs. There's the exercise of couch to pantry, <laughs> yeah. couch to pantry. Yeah. Those that are some steps. Some calories. Those are some steps. I'll <laughs> do it. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a moment to tell you about a company called Motor Bunny. Motor Bunny offers affordable options for couples and individuals to explore sexually creative experiences. Beyond their famous ride-on-top vibrator product, they develop accessories and attachments that encourage endless experimentation. Motor Bunny provides cost-effective ways for people to bridge the gap between his, hers, and ours. And their mission is to lead the industry with support that cuddles after. If you've ever been curious about the ride-on-top experience and have been waiting for products like the Sibian to become more affordable, you can finally try it out without having to spend a whole lot. Find out more at MotorBunny.com and get $50 off a MotorBunny starter kit when you enter the code MANHOR at checkout. MotorBunny costs about $450 less than the most popular competitive product. So what do you receive in a MotorBunny starter kit? Okay, well, I mean, obviously, you're going to get the MotorBunny. That's the big black vibrating thing where all the fun stuff comes from. You also get uh, a bunny rest. Bunny rest is a classy piece of furniture that can be leaned on while the rider finds just the right position. You also receive four stainless steel eyelets, three certified safe TPE attachments, and one size enhancing slip-on cover. Those are the things you put on the motor bunny uh, that you can grind up against or put inside yourself. You also get two attachment risers for increased clitoral contact. I don't have a clitoris, but man, that sounds awesome. You also, uh, if that's not enough, you get two stiff and two springy stiffening support rods. You also receive an AC power supply and a universal wall adapter, so you can enjoy the Motor Bunny no matter which country you're in. Unless that country doesn't really have electricity, then that might be a problem. Uh, and for all that, the Motor Bunny comes with a one-year warranty and a 45-day satisfaction guarantee. Holy shit, that is a lot of stuff. What a fucking deal, right? And Motor Bunny is offering listeners of the Man Whore Podcast an amazing deal. Get $50 off a Motor Bunny starter kit by going to MotorBunny.com and using the code MANHOR at checkout. Again, that's MotorBunny.com and use the code MANHOR at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. So what's your, your dating life? I know you're dating someone now, but like typically what was your dating style before this? Scenario? I mean, the problem is, no, the, the, the issue is that like I, uh, so the, the, the sort of thing that I used to say was when every time I was with somebody, I felt like I was cheating on comedy. Okay. So that, and that, that really was uh, the, definitely the first five years for sure. And then even past that, it was very hard to strike a balance between having a relationship and having a career. Cause I felt like 
the career always came first, and that is a disaster for a relationship. Yeah. Because if every time you're going to so supposed to go on a date, if you have the option to do a spot, you cancel the date to do the spot. Eventually, that girl's going to be like, "Well, screw you! Like, I'll find a guy who wants to make me the number one priority." Right. And I, I can't blame them for that. So, in the last like two years, I've been actively trying to be a little bit better about that. Trying to because I think being a fully formed human involves yeah. having relationships with other people um, like that. Um, so I'm working towards it. Um, I, I don't have, I've never really had a long, long-term relationship. Like two or three months is like the longest I've ever gone. Okay. So I'm trying to break that record. <laughs> well, I, uh, the one thing again, so when it, it happened to be perfect timing, when I texted you about the other show you were on, you were like, Oh, let's do your show. I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Because I, I just had a cancellation. I was like, you know, I, you've been on a list because, uh, I've been on, I don't want to say alarming and make it sound bad, but I've been on like multiple Tinder dates. Oh boy. Where it's like, uh, do you know Harrison Greenbaum? Uh, I, I dated Harrison Greenbaum. Or like, I fucked Harrison. Um, so I've been Did on. They say it proudly at least? Uh, most of them were good. I think there was like okay. one. Well, there was one that like negative, but I also felt negatively about her. Uh, oh, so, okay. Like, I didn't end up going out with her. I met her at a speed dating event. And oh, then I was like, I was interested up until she started talking more. And, uh, uh, but she had also mentioned she had dated. That's so amazing. I've gone on many Tinder dates where like you were the. They had also gone Jesus. on with you. I mean, obviously, yeah. we don't want to like dox them, but I definitely want to know the name. Do you have the name written down? I can't down? remember the name. Oh, okay. Uh, the, I can't remember the one speed dating girl's name. These were all like years ago. Years ago. It was like enough that I have made a mental note of it. That's like hilarious. more so than anyone else. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I wonder what it is. I would, I definitely date a lot. Like, I, cause that, that was the whole thing was just like, well, the way you find a relationship is you go yeah. on dates. And I think I, I used to blame it on the fact that I process information very quickly. Yeah. Like, my brain is very fast, I'd like to think. And it helps me on stage, obviously. Of course. Um, but, like, sometimes I sit down and I can kind of I kind of know right away whether it's right or wrong. And that's I don't think that's how most people do it. They go on a couple of dates before they figure it out. And they waste a lot of time, uh, even when they know and they feel a hint, but they don't want to pull the trigger on. Yes. Like, I know this isn't good. Uh, yeah, people stay bail. in bad relationships for a, way too long. No, this is going to work out in year five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not working out in year one. It's not going to work out in year 10. Yeah. They start acting like uh, like a bad GM, a sports team. No, no Fitzpatrick, he's going to work out. Yeah. Uh, if- and I always wonder how these girls define dating, right? Like, did, did they go on three dates with me and then mm. they said I dated Harrison? Or did they meet me one time? Some, of them, like- some of them will be, they dated and some will go like they went on a date with or they slept with or something like that. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And also we roll in like the same community too. Like yeah. we're performing at the same clubs and we have similar friends. So like it's kind of bound to happen. Yeah, but none of them were comics. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Why, that's that's why it's interesting. But it's also funny too because like, like <laughs> I think it's one of those. Yeah, but I think it's one of those things too where like you say you say oh I'm a comedian and then they think of their first comedian. So like, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. fascinating. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we just have very similar Tinder profiles in the sense that we both have beards, <laughs> like similar body types to a degree. Like so maybe they're just like they have a type. So it makes sense that they went. From you to me or me to you. Funny guys, but I'm, I'm just like, you're you're going down in like talent level. You're supposed to go up and get to more, <laughs> more successful guys. Um, we but, both have things to offer. You have a very successful podcast. Oh, stop it. Yeah, stop it. Uh, <laughs> but I always thought that was uh, super interesting. Uh, did Have you ever been speed dating? I did one speed dating event when I was in college. Uh-huh. Um, and I did... I. I think I actually did hook up with somebody based on that speed dating thing. But it was that was literally forever ago. That was probably 2007. Because that's like at the peak of like processing super right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But this was speed dating in college pre-anything. I mean, uh-huh. this is pre-Tinder. Pre-Tinder, pre- yeah. every, This is 2007. So like if you used OkCupid, I don't think OkCupid existed, but I think Match.com existed. 
And if you use that while you were in college, you were a total weirdo. Yeah. It was just didn't, no college and kid needed it. And now it's like it. commonplace. Every, you know, every college kid has, has a, Tinder at least. Has Tinder and a lot of them have like OkCupid. I'm like, you're in fucking college. Like this is you don't your need Tinder. It. Yeah. You don't need it. Knock on a door. When they open, uh, leave or walk in. That's your Tinder right. swipe. But how amazing <laughs> would college have been with Tinder where like, well, you're sitting in your dorm and you basically swipe through your entire dorm. Yeah. But it's kind of sad because like if you have to live in the same dorm for three years, you swipe through your whole dorm within three days. Yeah. Maximum. And so now you already know. Like you have four, three or four There's years no to live with of a, a group of building, this building where you're like, oh, I guess we know who is into me or not. Yeah. Also, then you know like, oh, I'm in the ugly building. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just be, go bang each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I feel like you met people, you go to like parties. Like we would go to these parties and, we, you know, Harvard let you have parties in the dorms, which yeah. is awesome. So you really didn't have to go that far. You would party in somebody's, you know, dorm room and we, it would, you'd meet somebody there and, the, you know, that was kind of cool. Yeah. When you when you process the information quickly on a day and you like you're making your your decision on if you want to proceed or not, do you how soon when you're realizing like this is not someone you're going to want to like date long term or you don't even really think you want to sleep with them or whatever? Yeah. Um, how far into the date do you go before you cut off and be like, okay, hey, you seem fine and all, but like I'm not feeling it and I'm just going to go so that you can like save your evening. Yeah. I, or well, do you complete well, the two date? things? One is that I think I'm I'm realizing that that might be a a sort of myth I invented for myself for why oh. I don't have long-term relationships. Okay. Because you do have to give somebody a chance. Because the first date is people are still getting to know each other. Mm. People are very uncomfortable. Like who you are on your first date is not who you are on your fifth date. So, so so you might have to give them till the fifth date in order to find out who they really are. Yeah. And the reverse could happen too. You could love somebody on a first date and then by the fifth date when they're comfortable, you're like, oh, that person... I don't like this new person that, which is clearly the person that you are. You see their DVD collection, you're like, their taste is terrible. Yeah, oh, you're man. like, that's weird. That's all the Shreks. Why do you have all the Shreks? <laughs> you even have the weird spinoff. It was VOD. You have the 3D <laughs> one that they put in the Universal theme park. That's, why would that's a weird? There was a girl I literally went to apartment. She only owned, owned four DVDs, and it was just all the Shreks. <laughs> and I was like, this this was in college, so you could still judge people by their DVD. Collection. You hope that's an aunt's present, like an aunt gave it. Yeah, you know, like, just why for do you Christmas? have all the Shreks and why nothing else? You didn't think maybe I should round this out with an anchor man? Throw in a few things here and there. Put a something notebook, in there. Whatever. Yeah, put a notebook yeah. in there. It's super weird. Well, you're going to watch Shrek 2 for the fifth time. Oh, my God. With the same date. Oh yeah. Oh, let's watch Shrek 3. No. Nobody wants to rewatch that. No, not at all. Well, so you'll you'll like uh, you'll give multiple dates to someone even if you don't. You're I'm not also, sure right away. I'm, it's very hard for me to. I, I try to always be the nice guy. Like yeah. I really, really go. I try, and sometimes obviously I fail sometimes, but I try so hard to like be an upstanding guy and like do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm not interested, I always feel like I want to show them a good time anyway. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, that can get you in trouble because they're like now they're like, whoa, he's really into me, and I'm like, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm just, I just always try to, I'm always trying to do the right thing. And sometimes I fuck up and I don't, but like, I'm always going into it trying to do the right thing. I was recently, uh, thinking I, you know, I think a couple months ago I went on like a Tinder date and you know, I immediately realized, okay, I don't even think I'm really attracted to her and I'm trying to talk see, Oh, well, let's see if there's a personality thing that's going to get me on board and nothing's clicking there. I think it's been like four or five minutes or an hour. And like, there's not one thing where I feel like we're bouncing off each other and so instead of just like staying for three hours, like I think I normally would have, mm-hmm. and I would have like basically lost my evening, was I just looked at my clock watch. I said, hey, so like I got to get going about like a half hour. Uh, That's and, smart. And, you know, I'll either finish my drink or maybe I'll have one more if I want. But I just say, hey, I got about a half hour left. And then I'm like, we start blank. It's no longer a date in my head. I'm like, oh, this is a person at a bar I'm going to get to know. And like, oh, let's see if this is an interesting yeah. person. Alcohol, you mentioned, <laughs> that's always, I think... 
that's I'm trying to drink a lot less. Not that mm-hmm. I ever I never feel like I had a problem. I always I think most people if you ask me they don't even, it's rarely they even see me drinking. Right. But even with that low level of alcohol, I'm still trying to reduce it even more because I do think when you go on a date with somebody and you start drinking, you like them a lot more <laughs> as you get drunker. Just like and then the same thing for them, and like it it, it skews your reading. Also, the the amount alcohol you order sometimes can falsely uh, give an impression to them in the sense of uh, they can think you're interested. So like if the, if I'm definitely if I know I want to bail at some point, you know the bartender comes if you want a drink. If I go no, or if they, or if they go no, I'm good. I think like I'm. I'm in Shit's Creek. Like I don't mm. think I'm. I got a chance here. I don't if you think order the no, second... I'm good. It's when they go. Oh, we'll take the check. That's how you know oh, okay. it's it's gone. Let me. Yeah, wrong. yeah. <laughs> you're not even getting a. You're not even getting a warning of that. She's not saying, right. "Hey, this is great, but I'm not interested." It's more like just check, please. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely gone on dates. I try to do more coffee dates, which coffee is good because those are always short anyway. To a degree, like it's very hard uh-huh. if you somehow end up on a five hour coffee date, then you know she's the one. But right. Like, yeah, there's definitely situations where like we did 45 minutes of coffee and I was like, it was really nice to meet you. And like neither one of us texted each other again because it was clearly there was nothing there. I just don't but think it was very cordial and very like polite. And we met each other for 45 minutes and it wasn't the right thing. And that, that that's probably the best case scenario in that kind of situation. I just don't think I do well unless it's a person who does like has an improv style of having a conversation themselves. Like if they're a funny person, then I can do that date wherever. But if they're not, if like humor is not their strong point, which is fine for me, uh, I don't think I'm doing my best work at at coffee. I feel like bar is like my environment Mm. where like the best dateable Billy, the most like, hey, I I might want to fuck this guy is going to come out. Well, that's, it's also right. With or without the alcohol. I think it's also a shift though in what I'm looking for where it used to be, let's get, let's meet up as as close to my apartment and as late as night as possible right. to increase the chances that this ends up in a hookup. Yeah. And now it's like, I'm really looking more for a relationship. So what an adult you are trying to be an adult. That's, <laughs> that's literally that's once I turned 30, I was like, mm, I should probably be an adult. I mean, is like marriage and stuff, something you want one day. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think kids even kids. Okay. Yeah. Not, I mean, not now in but, this <laughs> and not in this apartment. There's definitely no room for children, but you, you have to understand. I think like I, from where I'm coming from in Bushwick, this, is like a palace to me. Oh uh, God, the studio? I'm like, I if you forced me to have to choose between kids and this, uh, it's a one bedroom. No, yeah, yeah, that's a, a whole bedroom. Yeah, so I call it so between the one bedroom and the kids. I'd be like, well, we. I feel like we could make both work. I yeah. think. <laughs> can, why do I, we'll turn this into the nursery, just this living room. I'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> my clown certificate. I love this all the, the all the mad t- uh, the mad magazine stuff. I used to write for Mad Magazine. You did? I still, I, still, I was their oh, intern, shit. and I still freelance, and I visit the office whenever I can. Those guys are the best. The office is here in New York? They're right in New York, and the, the guy who's the editor-in-chief is this total sweetheart. He's been there. Most of the guys who work at Mad Magazine been have forever. been there forever, and it's like so cool that they have that tone, and they're still... I mean, I've met a lot of my heroes, and like I've seen what a fast, amazing comedy brain at work looks like, and those Mad guys, like, um, unbelievable, like... Comedy geniuses. That was my first uh, magazine subscription when I was like in, yes. gra- in grade school. I I made my mom or I like begged my mom to let me uh, have a mag- Mad Magazine subscription. So it's so fun. I had that for a while. And then this is a Playboy that's a Braille blind Playboy, yeah. which I found on eBay. I was like, that's pretty hilarious. So I, that's a that's completely blind. I mean, it's just Braille, right? <laughs> I thought there'd be something fun like a like a pullout with like a circle that you could, but it's just, I think it's just the articles. 
And then, well, when you, when you're married, I know you, this may become like in your your side room. My side, yeah, this is my side room stuff. She'll be like, yeah, that was cute when you were a single bachelor, but you know you're a married man now. Get that fuck off the wall. Right. <laughs> or ideally, you marry a woman who who loves Mad Magazine just as much. Yeah, yeah. And that's a People magazine my sister got me from 1984, so two years before I was born. And it's really fun because it's like David Letterman, like the hot new talent. I, it's so it's blowing my mind right now that you are as young as you are, not by looks at all. It's just again this like it's a you have mythologized views of people like you, can't Mike Cannon, Sam, and, and a lot of people. Yeah, like although that. Cannon is like it, I always look at comedy like different classes, right? So like there are high school seniors, there are high school juniors, there's like college professors. Like I think Louis, like that would be the highest you could be is like a PhD college sure, professor. Yeah. And then you work your way down. So, like, I always think graduating high school is, like, getting a first major TV credit. So, like, there's kids who are, like, the cool kids in college who sometimes come back to visit their friends who are still (laughs) in high school. Um, So, like, for me, Mike, just in terms of how many years, I think Mike Mike is one class below just in terms of starting out later than Sam and I. Yeah. And Sam, Sam and I are basically in the same class. And Mark Norman had moved to the city a couple years before. He's kind of in our class. He might be a year above us. So that's sort of... But I also used to hang out like with Mike Vecchione and Nate Bergazzi, and they were like two or three. I was when like, I found that, out how old, I, I interviewed Mike, uh, I think like two or three years ago for Laugh Spin. Kaplan. Went, uh, no, 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 uh, Mike Vecchione. Yeah. And when he told me how old he was, I was like, Jesus Christ. Because when I first met them, they were all like in their early 30s. Now right. these people are all pushing, like getting They're close in their to 40s. 40s. I'm yeah. Like, what? And some of them are going to get into their 50s. And that's where it's like bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's so strange for me. Yeah. Um, or people who are in their 60s. I mean, Bill Maher is in his 60s. I guess I don't think I, I think of the the comedians as classes as much as like waves, like feminism, just like the waves of w- I gotcha. which they came through. I like the classes because it gives me yeah. like that extra. Some people <laughs> get left behind. Some people skip a grade. <laughs> well, in that regards, I feel like because I started when I was 19, I feel like the kid who like got pushed up to high school like when he was, you know, 10. Yeah. But then he realized oh, he's not as smart as we thought. So like, let's keep him back a couple of grades. <laughs> and then like Pete Davidson is like that, that Disney sitcom where there's like the little child who's oh, in yeah. high school. Yeah. Because he just came out, but he's like, boom, and, and straight to the, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> billboard in Times Square. <laughs> uh, what was the name of that show? Shit. It was a Disney show about like a, like a little kid, but he's in high school. He's like a genius. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. With the Maori sisters. Ma- Maori sisters. Yeah. Maori uh, oh, little, it wasn't little genius. No, but it was like, that was. That's gonna damn bug it. Me. That's gonna bug me too. But that's that's I think in the outro, everyone. I'm gonna I'm look this up. I'll all right, tell good. You then, uh, <laughs> but that, that's that's yeah, that's the Pete Davis. Yeah, it, wasn't that the spinoff of or Sister Sister? Too. No, maybe. I don't know. Probably I think not. you're just conflating <laughs> the, all the, the very one mega few show. black sitcoms oh, from the '90s, like on the Disney. Th- yeah, the three that there were. Um, Hanging okay. with Mr. Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did, were you the type of guy who could like pick up women after a show? Were you that guy? Well, my act never lended itself to that. I <laughs> So I think I had one hotel hookup ever. Okay. Ever. And it was like barely. I don't know if you even What do you mean it. your act? Uh, for, somebody for I had already listen- known. So it wasn't even like a. I've never done the thing where I've come into town, mm-hmm. headlined a comedy club, and somebody who I met that night comes back to my hotel room. Sick. That's never happened. Okay. Uh, Which is probably a good thing. But like that's the th- I hear comics talk so much about picking up strangers from shows, and I feel like I have gone laid in so many different ways for different reasons. Some of them, including comedy, but never because of that. Like I've 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 gone laid because I was hanging at a comedy show, because mm. I was seating at a comedy show, because um, 
I I just because I said I'm because I said I'm a comedian, which really well, com- comedy has always helped me. I, right, think, right. I think girls are naturally interested in like it's an interesting career. Yeah, but like anyone can just say they're a comedian and then just I think there's too much credit given to that. It's like you should like all make him be really really funny. Yeah, before you just see him with a microphone and a profile picture and be like, yeah, I'm a swipe upon that. Well, I feel like also it's scary if your first profile picture is you holding a microphone. I think a girl might swipe left just because she's like, I don't want to end up in his act. How how many women do you come across where they're like, I just I dated comedians and they were a horror show. Oh my god, it's the worst. It it really it makes me sad for. I just yeah, I hate that every time you go on a date and you find out, oh, I actually hooked up or dated a comedian before right. you, and then it, I have to like prove to them that like. I'm not going to do what You're that other that. comic did. But in in a way, that's like how we have to be just as like men in, in general. general. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, like, what's that? I hate that. When like if somebody you're on a date with somebody you actually do really like and they're like, I, you know, I'm just not in a place for a relationship because my last boyfriend was so awful. And you're like, damn, this guy ruined it for everybody, ruined it for everybody. And like then and not that I'm opposed to working extra hard if you know, but yeah, it's really frustrating. And, and I, I do genuinely like feel I, I, it, it pains me when I hear those stories. Yeah. Cause I have a sister. I don't want, I mean, guys definitely need to be less douchey. Uh, for sure about that. And, and like, you're like a feminist dude. I, I, I mean, I, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm very lucky. My grandma was like, a, but both my grandmas are, were super feminist. Really? Before it was like, it was not that easy to be feminist when they were feminist. Yeah. I mean, they were like coming to America. I mean, grandmother came to America in like the, the forties, fifties, living alone, trying to be independent. Like, that's hard in the 40s and 50s in New York. Um, and my other grandmother also always, uh, you know, very feminist. And like, it was not, nowadays, I think it's easier to be feminist. Not, not well, that yeah, because it, it's it's almost chic. It's vogue. It's the right thing to do. It's Yeah, not that um, it's easy to be a feminist, but easier than, you know. It's also thing, more like civil rights. yeah. Civil rights was a lot harder to fight in the 60s than it is now. There are not less was, hoses. Less hoses, but it's yeah. still a fight that we need to fight. Absolutely. And then the fucking this... I just imagine the emails being like, it's still not hard. It's still not easy. I'm like, I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm not saying that. I'm, I, it, it does, I think it has gotten easier as we won battles. It's, it's weird because I feel like I got to be an apologist for being a guy. Like I just have to almost, I'm always, I always feel like I have to apologize. But at the same time, I want to. I don't think you have to apologize, but I do think you have to go out of your way to show that you're an ally. Yeah. But like, you know, you want to do more than just wear a safety pin. Yeah, I never, I didn't get the safety pin thing. I yeah. was like, I, I, I don't. If you need to, if you need to wear a safety pin for people to feel safe around you, then like you're probably not that safe. <laughs> like that. Oh, you look dangerous. Oh no, but he's a safety pin. I can hang out. Like, <laughs> just be a person that people realize are are safe. And what, well, what do you do to demonstrate that when you're? I just think it's about who you are. It's about yeah. your person. Just making sure you put, you know, you put positive energy out and you act in in accordance with your beliefs. Well, there's something about like when you're like being a bachelor. I mean, obviously, like, uh, you know, you're you're seeing somebody now. But like when you're in that bachelor dom, there's something about uh, there's like a stigma against if you're like successful at getting a lot of women you, there. People just automatically assume you're a douchebag. Yeah. I mean, oh, this show's called Man Whore. Man Whore thing. Like, yeah. you know, I, I I feel like when I've pitched it to journalists to try to get like coverage, I have to be like, look, I promise it's kind of feminist. Like I, right. Well, like, that's, that's the thing, right? So if, if a girl has sex with a lot of men, she's a slut and there's like sort of the anti slut shaming movement, right. which is really important. And then there is this reverse of, if a man has sex with a lot of women, he, even though people think it's cool to a degree, I think they're like, what an asshole. Yeah. So for some reason he's an asshole for doing that. And that's, that, that's interesting too. Yeah, but there's a way to do that ethically and not like a total jerk. But uh, I think a lot of people don't 
Believe and there's it. a difference between sleeping with a lot of women and sleeping with women, like having one night stand hookups where you mistreat and you just kick them yeah. out and then make room for the next one. That's an asshole. Right. Right there. If you're, if you're actually trying to find something or you're being very upfront that you're not trying to find something, but that this is what you want to do, that's a much different mm-hmm. thing than just like trying to build up a list of everybody you've hooked up with. Yeah. Rocking, man. Um, the only other thing I have, which is the thing I, I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about. It's, did you ever, cause I, okay. I the, see you circling it. I'll say yeah. It the only you. thing I had is I had the I had the gay voice. The gay was, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people are listening. They're probably hearing it. Right. They're like, yeah. What's well, the story? With earlier that? on, I wanted to be like, I, we should clarify. Like, he's a total heterosexual. It's um, I wanted to bring up in the realm of ma- like masculinity, and when we were talking about body stuff, I I, I think my original plan was like, oh well, and we'll transition to that and yeah, random. But uh, and then we no, got into all it, funny I think stuff. It's great. Yeah, we're good on time. We oh got, yeah, like, yeah. No, minutes. I, I just, uh, yeah, we're yeah, we're gonna great. do like in our five. I think no, no, we're absolutely great. Yeah. Um. No, I think when we were talking before about like how come you don't like getting laid on the road, <laughs> I I spend a lot of time talking about my sexuality and people thinking I'm gay. That's part of my yeah. act. I have a new joke where I literally just say I'm not gay, but people think I am. And it's, or, or when you're not gay, but people think you're gay, people will argue with you about you. <laughs> and so, so at least now it's like that doesn't happen with my yeah. other preferences. Like I'm at a subway, they're just like, "Hey, do you want cucumber?" And I'm like, "No." And they're like, mm, "You want cucumber?" <laughs> like you look and sound like you love cucumber. <laughs> so that bit, at least, I think. It took me a long time to be able to write a bit that is funny and also tells the audience exactly where I'm at. Right. Uh, I think I used to play the line a little bit more. I was like, people think I'm gay. All right, good reaction. And I think people, there were people who would come up to me and be like, oh, so you're gay. And I was like, oh, no. I Even though I, I could get angry that they're misinterpreting it, it's really my fault for not writing a joke that's clear enough. But like, I mean, I'm assuming you always had this voice unless puberty went like in reverse for you or something. But no, this is my this this is the lowest my voice has ever been. So, I mean, I mean, was that (laughs) what what, did that cause any sort of uh, like insecurity for you? Like uh, growing up? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, it's I I think the key for me was not was just becoming very comfortable. And also, I, I really think that it's about redefining what masculinity is. Yeah. And it's not this, like, strong dude who, like, watches MMA and, like, beats everybody up. And, like, it's we need to stop all this focus on, like, muscles and being a protector. And it's just about being a good person. And this idea that, some like, blue is for boys and pink is for girls. Like, let's break that. Let's just get rid of that, basically, entirely. Coming and the from idea a couple too, guys wearing... Uh, Jeans and, and no pink at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I have, I used to wear, yeah. I mean, you, my, I used to wear exclusively pink and purple. <laughs> exclusively. And now I've, I've changed it up a little bit. But I almost wore, I mean, there was gigs I would come to on the road a year later and they'd be like, hey, where's your pink shirt? Because like I was wearing a blue shirt that night. And they're like, wait, that's not the Harrison we've come <laughs> Where to Where were you in like Tulsa? They'd be like, that's the one guy we've ever met who's Who worn pink. a pink shirt. <laughs> but I do think it's like this idea of, and then there's also this weird conflation between what, like where you are on the gender spectrum yeah. and where you are on the sexuality spectrum. And the idea that they're connected to each other, I think we're finally, only very, very, very recently, in the last year or two, people are realizing that they're separate spectrums. Mm-hmm. So that there could be a gay guy who's super, quote unquote, masculine. Yeah. And there'd be somebody who's super feminine, who's very hetero. And like the, the, there's no necessarily, there's no necessary correlation between the two. And I think that's really great is breaking down that connection. Or you look at someone like a Buck Angel who is, uh, I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, who has female genitalia. Right, right. And it's like the fucking muscled up of muscle up people, uh, all these tattoos. How does he identify? It's a a man. Okay, cool. He's a man. uh, He identifies as bisexual or I I forget if he says pan or what. But I mean, you know, he he likes various genitals and he's a man. And, you know, he'll be like, yeah, so North Carolina, where the fuck do you want me to pee? Right. It's like... 
<laughs> right, exactly. He's the perfect example of like exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting too because I I do think I think the Trump victory is like as much as I believe so strongly in this kind of thing of breaking down these gender norms, these sexuality norms. We've I in many ways it feels like maybe we went too fast and the rest of our country was like. What the hell is going on in New York? We need <laughs> in to New stop York. this right now. Like, what's happening in California and New York? Because they're controlling our TV. We're seeing all this crazy shit on TV. What the hell is going on? Like, I think there is this reaction of, like, there's parts of our country still where they're like, no, this is what men do. This is what women do. And we have a long way to go to mm-hmm. convince those people of our side, which yeah. I think is an admirable goal. I mean, and masculinity, it's just, you know, when people talk about, like, the muscle-up dude is supposed to be the one who's banging all the chicks, right? Right. It's like, I know a lot of douchebags who are like that. I have way more sex than, like, any of them, and I like to think I'm, like, a half-decent individual on most days, at right. least when you it comes to women. You don't have to be a douchebag to yeah. sex with a lot of women. And yeah. that's... And also, that's, I mean, it's the hackiest, like, 80s joke ever, but it's like, women, if you want men who want more men to treat you the way you deserve, have sex with those men. Yes, yes. Stop giving away sex to the men who are mistreating you. <laughs> like, if somebody's a douche you on a date, don't have sex with that guy. Yeah. And that guy will stop being a douche eventually. I don't care if he has the little V cut in yeah. at the bottom of his abs. You got to say no. Yeah, if you keep having sex with the guys who are douchey with you on dates, you will continue going on dates with douchebags because they will, it will, it's a reward for them. Yeah. You're giving them the reward. There's no reason to change their behavior. It's not your fault that they act like douchebags, but we all need to pitch in and do our part. And you throw some of this message in in your stand-up, right? If I remember correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. And so do you, I mean, do you feel like you're being like nice and subversive when you go in the middle of the country doing your act? I'm very, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, like they, they, they don't buy for a second. They, they, <laughs> they completely go, well, if you're feminine, then you're definitely gay. Like right. there's no, there's no option in their mind for something else dude i get that so just fight that just because i've seen dicks in person they automatically assume that too they're like you're fine being that close to dudes blowing each other well you're obviously a queer i'm like oh I'm just- yeah i mean there's there's a lot of work to <laughs> yeah. do in terms of teaching yeah. people what these things are but yeah i mean i like i always write my jokes i want i want them to be universally funny like i was oh. like i want to write a trump joke that the trump supporters will laugh at and the hillary supporters will laugh at I think I've done it because I've been I've been doing it now for the last couple of weeks. And like there's definitely rooms where they're clearly pro Trump rooms. Like some of these like Times Square comedy clubs have very like a lot of tourists. Yeah. And those tourists are many times Trump supporters. So I've done these rooms where it's like almost exclusively Trump supporters and they're laughing at it. And I'm like, okay, that's that's the key. Cause my I think humor is supposed to bring us together. And yeah. like if you get up there and be like, Trump is the worst, and everybody who voted for him is the worst, that's never gonna fix that stuff. We need to bring people to our side, and you don't do that by telling them that they're they're monsters that can't be fixed. Agreed. I was just with a the podcast I did before this was with a uh, cartoonist. Uh, oh. She does like a lot of like poly cartoon stuff, and I was talking about what the role of art is going to be. In poly the next like four political years. or polyamorous? Uh, poly- polyamory, yeah, oh, okay. and, like, and queer stuff and, and whatnot, and. You know, what the role of art is going to be is going to be part comfort tool and part educational, you know, if anything, I think. And it's like, you know, I was watching Modern Family recently and I was like, we, that show is, I think the biggest hit show, like in terms of sitcoms. And one of the families is an immigrant who constantly talks about being from Colombia and being an immigrant. There's another, is a gay couple who are raising an adopted daughter. And like, that's the kind of cultural thing where I think. Obviously, it didn't work enough that people mm. who are like, I love Modern Family should not have voted for Trump. <laughs> like, If you like any of the characters on Modern Family, a Trump presidency is not going to be favorable to yes. these, yeah. these families. Um, but I think it's it, that's the kind of cultural stuff that we we need to be putting out, too, where we're just like, look how normal and great this is. And 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 
yeah, there's there's a lot to do. A lot of work, a lot of work. Uh, I remember tweeting out the, the, the night of or the next morning was uh, after the election was, you know, SNL, Samantha B and John Oliver have like the most important fucking work to do this week, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, and- that's the fascinating thing is like if you're working, I mean, John Stewart famously said when we we're talking about Bush is he'd rather have. He'd rather have, have a, be- a harder time doing The Daily Show and a better time being, you know... Better president. Better president. And I fully, fully am committed to that. I'd yeah. rather have just a better president and make... My, I always like, make my job hard. Yeah. Make it the best country in the world. Make my job so hard that there's nothing to complain about. Although Please. Hillary, kind of low-hanging fruit still. I feel like Absolutely. either one would have been fine. But I'm like, <laughs> I would love... I want make my job as hard as possible. But being said, now that we have this Trump presidency, yeah, there's a lot to do. And I think the key is not going for the easy laughs. Like, it's very easy as a liberal New Yorker performing for liberal New York audiences mm. to get caught in that bubble and be like, man, these jokes are killing... But like, if an audience hates Trump and you say a joke that's negative towards Trump, it doesn't have to be that good and it's still going to get a laugh. Right. So it's about knowing what your audience is and trying to come up with the real jokes that really change minds and really make valid points that are worth the time. Just doing a Trump impression or just saying he's bad might get a reaction, especially now that people really want that venting. Yeah, And it's it's going to behoove us as comedians to like not go for that easy laugh and try to find the harder laughs that are that are there. Well, something like John Oliver, and those guys are absolutely going to do it. Oh, absolutely! And Samantha B, holy shit, is she crushing? I remember I have a video from interviewing her on a red carpet like years ago. I think when the eleven, I think when eleven, when when Letterman announced he was going to go down, and so I was like, "Who should get eleven thirty? And I'm talking to her and Jason Jones, and they were both doing a very fun, like, "Oh oh, man, you know, I'd love to see a woman in that position, but if only we knew like a funny woman, right?" And she's just crushing it uh, with full frontal. So it's great stuff. And, and you uh, were phenomenal again today, dude. Thanks Thank for you, making man. time thanks to talk for, me. Thanks for having uh, me. Where can people find you and your podcast and your work? Uh, you tour around. and Yeah. So yeah. the main thing is harrisongreenbaum.com. That's my website. You can basically get to anything from there. My Twitter is Harrison Comedy. Please follow me. I t- tweet all the time and tweet out all my dates and that kind of thing. Um, my podcast is Best Friend Plans, so it's three uh, nerdy dudes talking about the nerdy things that we do together. So anything from board games to escape rooms to haunted houses. So we describe the weirdest experiences. We try to go on these weird experiences and tell you about them. Okay. Um, so that's really fun. That's bestfriendplans.com. And then in terms of dates that I have upcoming... Um, this will be out not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So end of the month. Next Wednesday. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. So December 9th and 10th, I'm at Big Hunt in Washington, D.C. I'm headlining there. Uh, December 27th, uh, I am doing 54 Below, Feinstein's 54 Below. Uh, it's the first ever time they're having a magic show, as far as I know. <laughs> so we really want people to turn out. It's my adult magic show. It's uncensored, 70, 70 minutes plus of magic and stand-up. And uh, there's also a website, IWantAnetflixSpecial.com, oh. which contains all the information about that show in particular, which is my magic and comedy show. It's my baby. I've been working on it for years and years and years. And uh, I've been t- I just did the Kennedy Center with that show, which was crazy. Um, so it's the same show that I did at the Kennedy Center. I'm doing it. You uh, still do the, ba- the babies stuff. The yeah. baby is uh, is there? the closer. Yeah. Okay. There's a couple of that's tweaks a to it, but yeah, that's that's. The I've closer. oddly, for as long as you know, I've I've barely seen any of your magic stuff. I've mostly only seen your stand up stuff. But the the baby is like one of the only magic tricks I think I've seen. I was like, wow. Oh, uh, thanks. Wonderful. That that sort of formed the base of the show. I was like, can I come up with five or six tricks minimum that are that I feel as good about as I do about the baby in terms of it being funny and original and like magic is a whole other world in terms of the the, the rules of comedy, I think yeah. are a lot stricter about how you create stuff. So I've been trying to move those rules into magic where like every joke that I say, every trick that I do is, is me and original and fits yeah. my voice and point of view. 
Rocket, man. Yeah. Well, everyone, uh, you'll see all those links and that information in the show notes. Uh, but for now, Harrison wants to say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening, guys. To all of you uh, shouting out uh, at your your podcast apps, the name of that Disney show, uh, it was Smart Guy. Smart Guy starring Taj Maori. Yeah. So that was going to drive me a little bit bonkers, but I'm glad we could figure it out. I hope you enjoyed my episode with Harrison. You know, uh, Go check him out and support him online. Go check out his comedy shows. Follow him on the interwebs. His website is harrisongreenbaum.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Harrison Comedy. You can also follow Hannah Abney on Instagram at HannahA650. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBillyPresita. Use the hashtag ManWhorePodcast. Let me, Harrison, Abney, let us all know what you thought about the show. You can also like the ManWhore Podcast on Facebook. It's the ManWhore Podcast, not Billy Presita. Those are different pages. Uh... Please go like the podcast page, not my personal profile. And if you are a big Redditor, join the conversation with your fellow fan whores on the Man Whore Podcast subreddit. There are individual comment threads for every episode. Uh, I also like to post various pictures and announcements, ask questions. I'd love to interact with you there. That's r slash Man Podcast. Once more, if you are in the greater New York City area and today is still Wednesday, November 30th, uh, come join me. Down in the Lower East Side or Greenwich Village, uh, celebrate my being newly unemployed. Have a drink with me. Go to the Manwar Podcast fan page on Facebook or go to manwarpod.com and you'll see where the location is that I'm at. I hope you uh, have a fun week. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay again back on that diet post Thanksgiving. Holy shit. And stay slutty.